0: Get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar did not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car won't go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box.
1: You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know he's gonna crash your shit,
0: but he's still he's still got great stories.
2: Oh, they disappeared.
3: Oh, I'm leading, <laughs> I'm leading.
0: <it. laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat.
3: It's all goddamn
2: assholes and elbows, and if you ain't right, They'll
1: send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws and NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars. My name is Rob Blount from Dirt Vision. Alongside of me, as always, is Nick Graziano, the PR god of the World of Outlaws. How you doing, Nick? I am great. How are you? I'm doing good. You enjoy this weekend's racing. Yeah, I did. Yeah, want us did? Who else did? Brad, Brad Sweet did, I would say. Maybe just a little bit. Maybe. Maybe just a little bit. Two different tracks. Three nights of racing. Three trips to victory lane for the big cat. That's uh, He's on a roll this year. Yes. Remember after Bristol when uh, the points lead was uh, starting to shrink a little bit? It's not anymore. Nah, it's grown a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It was a fun weekend, though. Jacksonville, heck of a time. Thursday Thursday. night. What a race. Um, Had a lot of action, some drama. We moved to I-70 in Missouri. Friday night was night one. Yep, Thursday, Jacksonville, then Friday, I-70 at Missouri. And Saturday at I-70. And I tell you what, uh, two great crowds friday and saturday night for a track that's been dormant for a little while that was really cool yeah for the first time 35 years back there brand new everything that's pretty cool and i think first time in 35 years we've been there right and i think i think i heard first time the tracks raced in like 15 years yeah so that's really cool like bringing a track back from the dead that's awesome um just nice to see some, some good crowd support and you know for for a big Fairly flat half mile. The racing was pretty good too.
3: Yeah, we saw some uh, excitement. Um, obviously, Brad on his own show uh, yeah. just was it came from ninth or so the first night, mm-hmm. just blew his way through there, and then uh, the second night just kind of snickered. Uh, Sheldon on the restart.
1: Yeah, yes, he did. He sure did. Uh, one of the things that I want to talk about real quick while we're on the on the subject of Saturday night's race. If you tuned in to our broadcast on Dirt Vision on Saturday night, uh, on behalf of everyone at Dirt Vision, I'm going to apologize for us not being live when we advertised that we were going to be live. We didn't get to start our portion of the show, our broadcast, until literally as the cars were rolling down the backstretch coming to take the green flag for the first uh, first heat race on Saturday night. We had some technical difficulties, as, as as we just mentioned, the crowd was massive. Apparently, that section, uh, that area of Odessa, Missouri, pretty well desolate on the, the cell service. Um, I, I think just about anyone who was there could attest to that. Now, the problem is when it's not great to begin with, and then you put in a crowd like we had, and everyone's using their phone, whether you're using your phone or not. Like if it's sitting in your pocket and it's connected, it's still searching for. Not searching, but it's still receiving a little bit of data, sending out a little bit of data. It's it's doing everything that it's, it's doing behind the scenes that it would be doing if you were actively using it, but it's doing less. So it's still using up some of the network. And then when you start having people take pictures, take videos, uploading it to Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever, Instagram, that's using up even more of the limited bandwidth that is in the area. To not get into too many of the technical details our system uses a mixture of hardline internet if the racetrack has it and cell signal to send the feed out of the racetrack and eventually onto the internet so all of you can can watch it we have a satellite backup to use in the event of Saturday night, when cell service gets really bad and slows to a crawl, we'll go to our satellite backup, and usually that's way more reliable. Well, unfortunately, Saturday night, there was an issue at the aggregate level for the satellite that was completely out of our control, uh, unfortunately. It said it was connected, um, but it just wasn't sending and receiving any data, so it wasn't sending anything out. It wasn't until we, we made a few phone calls to the satellite company, that they realized that they even had an issue. They were able to get it fixed. Boom, we're back online for uh, the heat races and through the rest of the night. It was just one of those situations that was really, really unfortunate. Um, it's not something that we ever want to have happen. You know, uh, I, I don't know how many people realize that I, I myself am actually answering your emails on a typical show night on, on Dirt Vision Tech support And, uh, no, I'm not actively trying to steal your money. <laughs> I'm not actively trying to, to make sure you can't watch a broadcast because we got your money and we don't care. Uh, that's not the case at all. Uh, myself and everyone else on this Dirt Vision team, we want to show you the greatest show on Dirt. Uh, we want you to enjoy it just as much as we do. Um, and just to put let you in on a little secret, I'm not enjoying it very much in a situation like Saturday night when I know that you all can't actually see it. Um, I've been here two years now, and this is the first time we've had an issue like this happen. Unfortunately, sometimes it happens, and it, it happened on Saturday night. Uh, our guys on the ground did an awesome job of trying to make sure that we got everything back online as soon as possible. And in the grand scheme of things, we actually only ended up missing hot laps and qualifying and got to see all of the racing action throughout the night, which ended up being pretty good. So, no, it's not a situation that we wanted to have happen at all. It's not a situation that uh, we're happy happened. Uh, We're all actively uh, still pretty angry that it happened, pretty upset that it happened, and working to make sure it won't happen again. Uh, Because we know all of you have spent a lot of your hard-earned money with us, and... We're really appreciative of that, and we don't want to do anything that's going to disappoint you in 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 the future when you're watching on Dirt Vision. So, just wanted to give a quick explanation of what went down on Saturday night, and just let everyone know that we're doing our best to make sure it will not happen again, uh, and everyone can enjoy The Greatest Show on Dirt, because... That's what we're all here for. Yeah, so like you said, enjoy the world of Outlaw sprint cars because sprint cars are awesome.
3: Exactly, like you said, for as long as I've been here, two, almost three years or so, whatever it is now, yeah, I've never seen anything like that. Just kind of one of those freak things. I'm very unfortunate, but I know everybody handled it handled it super professionally and was doing everything they can to get it back, and they got it back eventually. Um, you know, some places might have just called it quits for the night, but definitely not us. I know. Uh, Talked with Hank Silver. He was in here. Mm-hmm. Doing things like you'd see in Apollo uh, uh, movie. You'll try. It's what it felt work, like working with things, t- talking to people to track. Hey, try this, do this, or do that, and just kind of traffic control and trying to figure out what the issue was. And uh, yeah, I know a lot of hard work went into getting it back on, and it still was a great broadcast once it came back on too.
1: Yeah, that's what it felt like. It, <laughs> it felt like if you were watching uh, Apollo thirteen and uh, everything was going to hell there for the guys up in the uh, in the capsule. The only difference is we weren't going to potentially lose three people to the uh, total abyss of space. Let's, but to be honest with you, it still felt that way, too. <laughs> that was, we we would have got him, We would have got him. I have very few follicles of hair left on my head on Saturday night. <laughs> I'll tell you that, Nick. Uh, it's still everywhere else. So for that, I, I still think, turn to Manscaped. Yeah, that's perfect. You know, what's really cool, Nick, we actually have some breaking news. Um, Manscaped has a new mower. What? I swear on my life, Nick. I swear on my life. Manscaped has just released the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. It's now available for purchase in the United States of America and Canada. Uh, Our great neighbors to the north. Uh, Join the over 2 million men who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. We're offering you 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the promo code OpenRed20 at Manscaped.com. Uh, Nick, have you gotten to try the new lawnmower 4.0? I
3: have not. I have heard of it in myth, but now I'm very excited to see what this thing's like in person.
1: Well, I will tell you what. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0, and I'm blown away by the performance. It is fantastic. The craftsmanship and details on the 4.0 are next level. Their advanced ceramic blade and skin-safe technology is so good, it almost seems as if Manscaped worked with Elon Musk's engineers to ensure that your testes are as safe as possible. Well, hopefully they didn't go with
3: the guys that made that Cybertruck and, you know, the windows still crashed. At least they went with, you know, Elon Musk
1: and, uh, you know, his engineering there. (laughs) You know what makes this trimmer different than all the other trimmers, Nick? What's that? I was waiting for you to ask. It's a new multifunction on-off switch that can engage as a travel lock created for people who like to travel. I know you like to travel. We are in the industry of traveling to go put on races. That's true. So that'll come in handy for you. The Lawnmower 4.0 also gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. Having uh, that many LEDs down there is great because you don't want to nick anything. That would suck. See what I did there? Mm, nick. Mm, <laughs> mm, <laughs> the new trimmer even allows brick. you to, c- to customize your trim all over through additional guard lanes with sizes one through four. That's pretty awesome to give you some guard lanes down there because... Uh, Maybe you don't want to go all the way. Looks-wise, it's sleek with a two-tone matte and gloss finish. Even features a hot foil-stamped black chrome Manscaped logo. That is pretty sweet. Show that mower off loud and proud, Nick. And did I mention it has wireless charging? Really? It does. Lamar 4.0's new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction, which can help the battery length last even longer. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code OPENRED20 at manscaped.com. That is promo code OPENRED20, Manscape.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com if you use promo code OPENRED20. Excuse me. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. It's a good stuff. It is good stuff. You know what else was good stuff, Nick? This weekend this weekend but also the rest of your interview that's right we got more to go we sure do coming right up is part two of nick's interview that took place at bristol a couple weeks ago with the series director for the world of outlaws nos energy drink sprint cars mr carlton reamer carlton reamer's great interview here's the rest of it
0: let's play it. ted had family too don't get me wrong everything but he was always talking about world outlaws. Mm-hmm. It was just boom, 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 Even if he's out playing golf, well, you're still talking about world outlaws. And, uh, but no, I, uh, Ted had an amazing uh, work ethic, and I don't think I've ever obtained the level that he had.
3: Now, speaking of family, I know your son uh, worked for the series for a few years. Uh, how was that for you to be able to have him on board and just around with you those few years too?
0: Oh, it was good and bad. He uh, my youngest son, Justin. Uh, he was a really, really good official. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tried to do some things too fast. And But as he came out, the racers got to where they loved him because he had their best interest at heart. And he, and this is why I say sometimes it was bad. He, uh, when there was a yellow uh, wreck or something, boy, Justin was there as fast as anybody I've ever seen. Sometimes too fast, he'd get out there before the cars started. <laughs> you know, he'd quit rolling, and, and everything it scared me to death sometimes. But he came to really like the racers, and they liked him because they knew, he they knew he had their back in those type of situations. Um, traveling together was uh, good and bad. Y'all all know we travel a lot of miles and stay in a lot of hotels, and he and I had to share uh, hotel rooms. And it, that didn't always work out very well because <laughs> we both snore real loud. So whoever got to sleep first, you know, the other guy had to suffer a while <laughs> until he got so tired of it, he'd wake the other person up. So there we would go back and forth all night long. Uh, but I love my son tremendously, and we had a good time working together those those years we were out here together.
3: In general, what looking back, what, is, is there a moment that you see as maybe – um your hardest moment or a time you thought maybe you should have made a different call in a certain situation, anything like that?
0: Oh, I think you always look back and, and it, I think in any job, you even a per, I don't care what you do, sometimes you have to look at yourself and say, yeah, I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not, some people have a really hard time doing that and, and I do at times myself, but, but I think we're all better off if we realize we're all, Capable of making a mistake, making the wrong turn, making the wrong decision, but you got to come back and look at it and say, "Well, you know what? I'm going to learn from this, and I'm not going to make that mistake again." And uh, I think our organization shows that a lot, and I think our racers have come to appreciate it. That yeah, when we mess up, I will look somebody in the eye and say, "Yeah, we we made a, we made the wrong call right there, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever," and we'll learn from it. And I think the racers appreciate that kind of attitude. Uh, I don't want to mention any specific things, you know, or whatever. Actually, none come to mind right now. Uh, we we don't make a lot of mistakes, but when we do, we stand up and own them. I was talking
3: about that respect of the drivers. I know I always saw maybe Brad or Darren would always kind of go and talk with you about things. Was there a certain driver uh, over the years that you really enjoyed working with, just kind of talking things, the series and uh, races with?
0: Oh, there's a lot of them that down through the years. Uh, obviously, people like, I'll go back to Ted, you know, Steve and mm-hmm. Sammy. Though Those guys had a tremendous input uh, into what was going on in the series and how it developed and why it did things the way it did do things. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. But uh, uh, in today's deal, you mentioned Brad Sweet. Brad, Brad is a very good guy for me to go and bounce things off of. Uh, But over the years, uh, some of the crew chiefs, Scott Gerken, Kenny Woodruff, Mm -hmm. uh, they helped me a lot because i go bounce things off of them because, like I said, I didn't come from a racing background. and A lot I didn't know about racing. And and then one of our officials, when I first started, Rick Ferkel, he's the guy that probably taught me more about racing in a short period of time than anybody else. He and I traveled together a lot, and Rick was very patient with me. I don't know if you know Rick Farkle or not, but he's one of the best people you could ever hope to meet, and he taught me a lot as we drove up and down the road, you know, going from race to race. Um, but there are a lot of the guys that, that I go to because I bounce things off of them and get different ideas, and sometimes uh, they come to me with different ideas, and sometimes they come up with some great ideas, and we can act on them and make some adjustments with the way we do things sometimes we can't mm-hmm. but it certainly doesn't hurt to talk about different ways of doing the same thing or trying to accomplish the same goal and uh, so they're all out there uh, andy Hillenberg. i used to get a lot from from andy hillenburg uh, andy grew you know was from oklahoma and i'm from texas kind of the same area and region we kind of talk the same twang and uh <laughs> Uh, but anyway, I bounced a lot of stuff off Andy Hillenberg and, and Diesel, his crew chief. They helped me out a lot over the years. But that that's just it. When we could have our darkest hour out here at a race, and if we still have the channels of communications open and talk about it, well, it's amazing what we can come up, the solutions we can come up mm-hmm. with, a better way of doing something, or a way that will at least... Uh, Take care of the present situation. It might be j- just the track. Well, we got a bad track. You know, instead of me just trying to think uh, how to uh, fix the bad track, well, heck no. Let's bring in some of the crew guys over here. Let's bring in some of the drivers, other officials, and we all bounce ideas off and maybe come up with a solution. Well, gee, we need to go out and scratch it and water it a little bit or something. You know, right. and we all work together. Uh, my management style is absolutely i don't have all the answers but i usually know how to go get the answer go find the answer like i said not coming from a racing background i certainly don't have all the answers but that's why you hire good people and have good people around you and you feed off of their experience and their knowledge and come up with the uh, the best uh, ideal or best solution for the existing situation was
3: that something you picked up from Ted as well? I know a lot, I hear a lot of people say that he was kind of a driver's guy, like he's always working with the drivers.
0: Oh, absolutely, Ted. Like I said, Ted was a big fan. Mm-hmm, so, he, right. yeah, he was constantly talking to the drivers and, and crew chiefs. Crew chiefs have a lot of input yeah. in, to what we do and everything. After all, they're the ones out there building these cars. They're the ones out there driving all these miles. <laughs> you know, they're doing they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting so to speak, uh, in this organization. The drivers show up with their helmet bag, and jump in and drive. You know, I tease them about that. Their crew chiefs and their crews are the ones doing all that uh, hard work, the hard, hard stuff. So, and it's amazing some of the great ideas those guys come up with. And I thought, like, man, why didn't I think of that? You know? But, uh, and I'll definitely take their suggestions to heart and use them to tweak what we do to make it better.
3: Sure. Is there any moment that you've seen him kind of ma- bring out that management style that you've seen really help grow the series in any way? Brian? Yeah,
2: I, you really can't separate the success of what we've achieved uh, without the 29 years that Carlton has mm-hmm. devoted to the series. So, you know, any one moment I've seen so many moments. It really becomes a collage of pieces that kind of put together my memories. So I've, I, I don't have as many you know, uh, single experience is much more of a collage picture. I'm a a visual guy. So, but when you think about the dedication and of 29 years of your life, that's what I think, you know, it is a foundation that everybody out here on the road understands that, you know, it's the cooperation that we get from the teams is because of the 29 years that Carlton's put in and, uh, and hopefully the 17 years that I've put in, they uh, they have confidence in, in the fact that we understand as best we can from our perspective what we're trying to achieve together with the drivers and the teams and the tracks and the fans and putting on the best show. So there isn't this, it isn't like a us against them ever. It's such, so much more of a how do we deal with the moment in time and how do you deal with making everything better and then dealing with what's in front of us and move on. So I, I see the actually over the last decade a significant uh, change in the behavior on the road and at the events there's so much more confidence in in what we do from everybody because they understand we care a lot and uh, Carlton in particular cares a lot about uh, the, what the perception of the world of outlaws is and he wants everybody to have a positive experience when they come to the track and and that's all we want and if everybody understands that and knows that then and the issue we have is something we have to deal with when we move on. It's not gonna have a long-term effect on, uh, a negative effect on on what's happening. So that's a that's a great place to be from an organization and a sport and in uh, a series that's operating in a, a dynamic, high chaos, high stress of, uh, environment. And, and that's why I think we've been so successful over the last 43, 44 years. So. Right. Uh, kind of going uh, off of that,
3: that too, to, obviously, obviously the there's always need for to relax and kind of get away from that for you what's your escape sometimes what do you do to relax is there certain places on the road they always look forward to going to to doing something maybe with the drivers or the team or something like
0: that yeah I used to do more than I do now I'm getting so old now I just I go to bed early you know <laughs> but uh but no we used to get out and play some golf you mm-hmm. know or do some fishing and uh or just sightseeing we go to some beautiful places in this country and uh that's what i tell young guys that, that you know looking for a job they want to come out here i said you're going to get to see in the united states and you're young you know maybe they don't have a wife yet or whatever and i said you're you come out here and travel with this series for a few years and you'll see places and things and meet people that you would never ever do in a, in a different a different occupation and uh I don't do a lot with the race teams and themselves. If I go into a restaurant and I see the guys, yeah, I'll sit down with them and eat, or or, or if we're having a cocktail, an adult beverage afterwards, you know, uh, I'll participate with them or whatever, but I I don't go out with them and do much with them because I, I think you got to keep a little, bit of mm-hmm. a, a little bit of separation there or whatever, and that doesn't mean that I'm not friendly or whatever. We are. We're all our friends and look out for one another and have good times together ever so often but but i don't do it on a regular basis no uh mostly i hang out with our officials you know and we like to go eat <laughs> all my guys all my guys work for me like to eat so we go to some nice restaurants while we're out on the road and 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 just try to relax when we're eating and having a uh, maybe a drink or two
3: is there a moment maybe a highlight that you always go back to you know, think about just Maybe one of the most fun moments you've had, or fun experiences you've had so far in this position.
0: Oh man, there are a lot of different times we've had fun, but uh, we used to have uh, officials out of a lot of people. Know Mark and Donna, and we we traveled together, and I don't know why we just really hit it off with one another. And and uh, they had their daughter out one summer, and my son was out, mm-hmm. and we all all uh, five of us drove in a. Uh, you know, one car, and we traveled all that summer together and just had a, a blast, and uh, they were great friends, and we were real close. Uh, one summer that was in particularly that I can recall with so much fun was when we had a, one of our other officials, uh, Jim and Lucy Farley, their granddaughter was out, and Eric Maley's had his daughter out, and uh, and Don Graby had his daughter out. So and often thought, I thought, and these girls were like i don't know 12 13 14 years old at the time i thought these girls are gonna hate they were stuck out here all summer long with their grandparents (laughs) or their parents they're gonna not and those girls we had so much fun that summer because they loved being out here they loved being with their grandparents and their dads and moms and we after every night of racing we would have our little encampment and go somewhere and just sit around and talk and those girls just had a blast and we just Just fun to watch them, watch the girls enjoying being out here and everything. That was a special summer. really was. How about at the track moment? Oh, at the track? (laughs) Fun at the track? I'm usually too wound up to have much fun (laughs) at the track or whatever. Uh, Oh, there are things that happen, just funny things, Mm -hmm. you know, and it'll make you laugh and everything, but as far as having a lot of fun at the track, that that doesn't happen very often (laughs) for me. I just usually just very concerned about how things go Mm -hmm. that they proceed. Well, we got a great crew right now and our races just, they're almost like clockwork, you know, in, in in everything they go, they go smooth. We just don't seem to have very many problems or issues at all. Every once in a while they'll pop up, but I still worry about those things. And I probably maybe get a little bit too, too intensely involved sometimes just worrying about safety. You know how the program's going or the van's having a good time everybody getting in and out here you know and everything so not a lot of laughter out of me <laughs> when i'm out the racetrack although i'm laughing today but yeah definitely having so fun so far um yeah over
3: all this year i know we talked about the live tv uh dirt vision what how have you seen the series like for you what what is your view of this the change in the series since you started our does that make you proud of what you've seen? You've kind of helped drive it toward what it is today?
0: Oh, a- absolutely. The, the sport has grown in a lot of areas. And I'll just type into one just a second ago, safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've really put an emphasis on safety in the last several years. And I think our cars and our tracks and everything are safer than they've ever been. And there's still work to be done. There always is. There's always work to be done. But to see the cars evolve over the years uh, uh, and the fact that that someone within the company, this man sitting next to me, we made some changes, safety changes, that weren't always popular among the race teams. Uh, and that, that takes a lot of uh, intentional fortitude for the organization to go ahead and say, yeah, you you will have a full containment seat. Right you will have a head and neck restraint. A lot of guys fought against some of those those changes, but, but the organization went ahead and, and mandated them. And the hardest part is you're not only mandating it for yourself, but you're mandating it for the whole sprint car industry most of the time. Uh, not all the time, but most of the time. When we make a, a rule, safety rule, we usually try to work in conjunction with all the other sanctioning bodies, the major 410 tracks and everything to get them to implement the same rules so we can be consistent and have the same rules all across the nation. And to see, see where we were at at one time to where we are today is, is very gratifying. And, uh, but you see the other thing, like I said, the, the internet broadcast mm-hmm. is tremendous. We brought on the fan interaction team here to make the, the fan experience at our races better. And, it's fun to see fans having a good time and have a fan come by when the race is over and say, thank you guys for coming. And, hey, that's really cool what y'all are doing over here for us and and everything, but, yeah. what's What's uh,
3: kept, basically kept you coming back, kept your passion going for those 29 years to want to keep going and keep doing it? Is it, is it that fan coming up saying, thank you, thank you for that great show kind of thing?
0: that's definitely a part of it for sure uh uh just like anything seeing it grow getting bigger and better and every year something a little different and uh but the relationships you have with the people the the promoters and the different friends you've made and um the travel does get exhausting at times you know but then when we're off for like a couple of weeks it's like wow we need to get out and go (laughs) racing somewhere you know (laughs) Uh but it becomes almost like a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And and I know it, it sounds corny to say it and I, you know and everything, but we are a big family. And like any family, we may <laughs> be in odds with one another from time to time. Uh but basically we are a big family and it and it's I don't like to see anybody have a problem or an issue, but it's very gratifying or uh, humanely speaking to when someone has a problem to see the other guys helping out see other people helping other racers and uh, it could be be a bad thing if a guy's you know pulls into the work area and he's got a lot of stuff wrong with his car see the other teams go or right. to work on that car to their guys are helping their competitors out you know so they can get back out and race against you you know in other things even in lives, sometimes People need a little something or whatever, and someone in the racing community is always there to help out, lend a helping hand, and that's very uh gratifying to see.
2: Yeah, you, you're you nailed it. Your team, you've the best team in the business. You've got it's a family on the road. It goes back to the Art and Carol days, Bill and Linda days, Jim and Lucy, Mark and and uh, and, wow. and Donna, and it's just it's. Uh, it's a family that's created on the road, traveling with 20 other families and you're going to have a crazy uncle. It's different every week who the crazy uncle is, but, but you see that family, uh, environment and it's very, very unique to our sport of racing. And it's, uh, you know, the world of outlaws is all of our people, all of our racers, all of our fans as a community every night. And we get to see the greatest show on dirt every time you go to work. It's pretty
0: pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. There are worse jobs. <laughs> <laughs> there are. It is drooling. It is hard. But it, yeah. but you know. But that yeah. being
2: going to work with your family and getting to watch the racing and and having a positive influence on people, uh, positive impact every day. That's that's hard to come by in this world of of trying to find a job these days. So, yeah. I see it, and Carlton creates it with his team. So that makes me happy.
3: Definitely cool. Well, I really appreciate you both coming on. It was a lot of fun. Thank you very much,
1: Nick. Thank you so much for doing that interview with Carlton uh, at Bristol a couple of weeks ago. It was a lot of fun to to listen and hear his story, and uh, you know, kind of see what he's got just going on in in, in Carlton's world on on a race day. Yeah, it was cool. Like
3: I think we said before, is I really appreciate him just sitting down and uh, talking with us. I know it's been a while coming uh, sure to trying to get him on the show. Um, so yeah, it's really cool just to hear a bit more of his backstory, a little bit more of his personality, what he likes to do, um, and just uh, learn more about him. Yeah, Carlton Reimers.
1: Yes, he runs a good show, uh, and I mean, you see that w- without knowing that you're seeing that every time you're watching. Uh, World of Outlaws and the Synergy Drink Spring Car Series race. And we had three fantastic ones this weekend.
3: Like we said, yeah, really great. Jacksonville and I 70, uh, three great shows. Like we said, Brad walked away a little bit happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's eight wins in the first 18 races now. That's crazy. That's real crazy. To think about it, he had just 18 wins in 54 races last year. He's already hit eight in 18 races.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I hadn't seen it put in, in that perspective yet. That's that's eye-opening for sure. And I tell you, it goes to show you how strong the rest of the field is, that even though he has eight wins and the next closest, I think, is David Gravel with three that Brad is not already walking away with this thing that he still only has a 90 point lead. He's over out David the door, Grable but he hasn't right
3: completely walked away. They can see him in the hallway there and they're they're catching him. Still. Yeah, they're
1: like just... the the sad music from the end credits of like the Hulk TV show with him walking away. It's still playing cuz he's not fully gone yet. Exactly. We can still see him. We can pull him back in if we have to. But
3: uh yeah, he's in we got a lot of racing to go. But yes. th- the stats so far are uh well, let's, let's look at this. I took a look, and the last time someone had um, eight or more wins in the first 18 races was Donnie Schatz in 2018. Like Brad, he had eight wins in the first 18 races. As we all know, 2018 was his 10th title year. He had 22 wins in total and took the championship by 286 points.
1: Nick, it's just dawning on me. Are we the jinxes for Donnie Schatz? Because he hasn't won a championship since we've been here.
3: Oh, Wait, when did true. you start? Did I, started, did you? I started 2019. So did I. Oh, man. You know, when I started, someone said, oh, get ready to write a lot about Donnie Schatz winning every night, and that didn't really happen. Yeah. We won a lot, but it wasn't like the 20-something no. thing they were telling me about.
1: No, it wasn't. I, we still haven't seen anyone other than Brad Sweet win a championship since we've been working here.
3: That's true, yeah.
1: Things to think about.
3: I want some of that cut, Brad.
1: I I think it's only fair. Yeah. I think we know who to call for that, and we'll do that uh, after we wrap here. Yeah, okay. Let's dial it up right now. Anyway, uh, Statman, you had plenty of stats still there, and I kind of cut you off because it just dawned on me. Um, What else do you got? Because I'm just really intrigued to to continue learning these. So for Brad, if we're looking back, um,
3: last year he had six wins in the first 18 races, so he's kind of on par a little bit with that already but after those well like we said we only had he only had eight wins last year so after he had those six it was only two more throughout the rest of the season so he kind of went on even though obviously he still won the championship he still wasn't on exactly that winning spree so even though like we said we see him in the doorway with that music still playing he's not completely out of reach yet he could go on a streak of uh some good finishes but maybe not always winning i mean we still got guys like uh, Gravel and Macedo and um, Sheldon. I think if Sheldon kind of cleans up some of his races, uh, like he doesn't have anything happen like he had at Jacksonville, I think
1: you could see him go on a, a big winning streak as well. So, And just closing out the races. I yeah. mean, he was so close on, on Saturday. I mean, obviously the caution came out and that's what bunched everything back together. Brad was charging, but I don't know if he was going to get there if it stayed green. But caution comes out, single foul restart, and Brad was still able to get by him. Speaking of Donnie, how about
3: Donnie almost winning that one in Jacksonville?
1: I know. I mean, I was just looking at at the results there, and I kind of forgot. With three races in in three nights, it's like, what happened in that first one? You know, I'm trying to remember all all the way back to it. Excuse me, and I pulled up the results and saw Donnie's name in second. I was like, oh, yeah, he actually took the lead going down the backstretch with two laps to go and still finish second which what a battle
3: yeah it was great i loved the shot we had of them of him taking the lead down the back stretch and you see that random fan uh just jumping up and down (laughs) i think we're all like yeah that might happen yeah
1: we all felt that way it it had the potential but uh it wasn't meant to be uh, again on thursday night at jacksonville and that's what ended up setting off the second time that Brad Sweet has won three races in a row already this year. Which is another one that's really impressive. To have two instances of three wins in a row in just eighteen races. Yeah. That's pretty wild. impressive. I think uh I think like I think it was twenty
3: eighteen, Donnie had something like that. Like we said when he had those eight wins in the first uh, eighteen races. I know there was one season he had like I think it was like almost like six or seven wins right in a row or something yeah. like that through Volusia through the first few races. It's mm-hmm. so it's pretty cool to see um Brad kind of starting his own kind of Donny Schatz-esque legacy now. He really is. It does feel that way. And really, um, a lot of people might not know his crew chief, um, Eric Burchman. he came from Tony Stewart Racing. He worked with Donny Schatz and won multiple championships. I think he was the car chief, not the crew chief at the time, but still. He kind of got that lesson from how to get it done, and obviously he's bringing it over to KKR with Brad Sweet now.
1: Yeah, and the the whole team is just on fire, I and mean, obviously it, it comes through him first being the crew chief, and it it sure definitely seems like he has taken what he learned with the, the machine that was... Johnny Shots in the 15 car at Tony Stewart Racing for so long. He's taken all that over to the 49 uh, with Brad Sweet. You got any more stats w- for us there, Nick? Well,
3: coming up this weekend, we're going back to Eldora, yes. where we didn't get to go at all last year. That was a bit disappointing. Yeah. Eldora's a nice, fun place to go. Mm-hmm. So we're going back to Eldora. Uh, you know, if you're going to, off the top of your head, if you think of someone you think to pick at Eldora to win, Who? who like name top three.
1: Ooh, okay. Um, David Gravel, Donnie Shots, Logan Schuhart. See so,
3: you now, I I agree with that. I would go with that too. But Brad Sweet is actually a pretty good, Eldora. But for some reason, he's like one of those guys, like one of those tracks, like you just don't think of for some reason right away. But he's got five wins there. Obviously, he won the King's the last King's Royal. Yep. So So um, I think he'll still do really well there. But it's, it's something I just kind of thought, even when looking up, it's like yeah, you know, I wasn't even like thinking of Brad Sweet as the winner but he's You're he's right. pretty damn good there.
1: It doesn't feel like it would be a Brad Sweet kind of racetrack, but we're just about getting to a point where just about everywhere it seems like currently outside of Williams Grove is a Brad Sweet kind of yeah. racetrack.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um like we, I think we saw at Bristol um where maybe some of the bigger track. I think maybe we don't think of him as being super great at those kind of tracks cuz their qualifying maybe isn't as up to par as they would like there, but As we've seen, it almost doesn't matter where he starts anymore. They've got a car that can just come through the field.
1: Yes, I completely agree. Uh, To do a little bit of recapping from Thursday, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Nick, but Jacksonville Speedway on Thursday night became the sixth track to have a uh, qualifying speed in the nine-second range, I believe. Uh, That was Sheldon Shields' lap, a 9.99-second lap in qualifying on Thursday night, a new track record for Jacksonville Speedway. That was awesome to watch.
3: Yeah, that's really cool to see. Like I think we said before, qualifying in Jacksonville is a show in its own,
1: and that's one reason right there. completely different why. from qualifying at Bristol the week before, but it was <laughs> still <laughs> a show. Still nice and fast. Yes, it was. So, uh, going through the results, uh, unfortunately, the track record for Sheldon didn't necessarily translate uh, to guaranteed success in the future, although... He was lightning fast in the feature, too, before uh, I I think they said they hit a piece of debris and cut a tire down, I believe, about halfway through that race. Still came back to finish in ninth. Brad Sweet with the win, as we already mentioned. Donnie Schatz finished second, as we also already mentioned. David Gravel in third. Carson Macedo, fourth. Rico Abreu, fifth. Jacob Allen in sixth. Tim Kading in seventh. Logan Shuhart, eighth. Sheldon Hoddenshield ninth, and Aaron Reitzel rounded out the top 10 after getting uh, into a little bit of an incident with Wayne Johnson earlier in the race as well. So cool for him to be able to rebound and still get a top 10 out of it. Man, we have already mentioned how good the show was. I mean, you, you look through it. At one point, Carson Macedo led. David Gravel, I believe, led. Donnie led for like 500 feet. Brad Sweet led. Um, who else led? Sheldon Shield led. Let me scroll down here, see who else led laps in this race.
3: There was a few. It was a a pretty good race. You might want to go back and watch uh, the Dirt Vision vault there. Yeah,
1: it was fantastic. Right now, if you're a FastPass subscriber, it is still in the FastPass exclusive section on Dirt Vision. Uh, If you're waiting for it to move into the free section of the vault, That'll happen later on this week, or maybe it already happened, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, oh, there's the lap leaders. I went right on by it. Shelton Hottenshield led laps 1 through 8 and 28 through 32. Brad Sweet led laps 9 through 27 and 32 through 40. So it turns out, actually, Carson Macedo never officially led a lap. David Gravel never officially led a lap. And Donnie Schatz also never officially led a lap. But we had a lot of lead changes in general. Not o- yes. official ones, but in general those people that still tell you that there's no passing in sprint car racing just, just don't listen to who them says that they're, they're out of their minds there kind of are you still, talking to? still people but it's they're not worth our time
3: i don't i, I don't talk to those people because i don't i've never heard of them
1: i'm sorry okay <laughs> man all right moving on to friday across state lines you know dessa missouri i70 motorsports park the return of i70 motorsports park As we mentioned, Brad Sweet got the win, the second of his three on the weekend. Brian Brown, who grew up only like 15 minutes away. From I-70 Motorsports Park, finished second. That was really cool for Brian Brown. Uh, another podium finish on the weekend for David Gravel in third, Carson masito fourth, Kyle Larson in fifth, James McFadden sixth, Sheldon Haden Shield in seventh, Gio selsey eighth, Rico Abreu ninth, and Logan Schuhart rounded out the top ten there on night one of action at I-70 Motorsports Park. Missing from that list is Brock Zierfoss, finished twenty-first. That was disappointing. He was running in third at the time that he got into the wall actually led laps one through ten to start off the race uh real disappointing finish for one of our rookie of the year contenders there after running so strong throughout so much of that one it's really cool to see him
3: have a good night like that well once we get to the next one you'll see that continued at least yes but yeah definitely heartbreaking uh once you saw him get into the wall there because he's at least still gonna get i think either a top five or top ten out of that
1: for sure i think when he hit the wall too it was with something like three laps to go or something so he probably was on his way to a podium ends up with a 21st instead uh that was unfortunate for him, But as I said, lead laps 1 through 10. David Gravel lead laps 11 through 23. Brad Sweet laps 24 through 30, and at that point, he was charging. I don't think there was any holding him back, no matter how hard David tried. like
3: he had 10 more horsepower than everybody else out there. He was absolutely flying. They had that thing um, hooked up.
1: Yeah, and if I remember right, he started in ninth, so ninth to first on a big yeah. half mile like that. Again. Who says there's uh, no passing in sprint car racing? There's plenty of it. At least Brad Sweet knows how to do it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: this weekend.
1: Yes. Uh, he didn't do as much on night two, though, at I 70. Only gained three spots. But, but he that did was the most needed. important one. Yes. He gained the most important one. Went from fourth to the win to cap off his. Uh, Triple sweep of the weekend. Second place on Saturday night. Carson Macedo. Third, Sheldon Hoddenshield. Fourth, Kyle Larson. Fifth was Donny Shots. Sixth, Brian Brown. Seventh, Brock Zierfoss. he's still a pretty good yep, run. There he was. He was up in the top five throughout most most of that feature. Eighth, Gio Selzy. Ninth, David Gravel. And tenth, Logan Schuhart. The lap leaders on this night. Sheldon Hoddenshield. laps one through 27 of 30. Brad Sweet. Laps 28 through 30.
3: Brad was coming pretty quick. I don't know if he would have got Sheldon if that caution didn't come out, but, yeah, he just kind of snookered him a little bit there, got underneath him, and just pulled away.
1: Yes. Yes, he did. And your hard charger that night, the KSE hard charger, was David Gravel, who went plus 10, 19th to 9th. Uh, Not your typical David Gravel kind of night. Yeah, they had, I believe, an engine issue or something early on to the night that
3: forced them to... Uh, come through the B or the last chance showdown. Uh, He at least made his way up in the top 10. Uh, That's kind of, um, if we look back, I think he'll look back at that as a good night for our championship run. I think you'll see him be one of the championship contenders. So I think uh, that's kind of one of those nice look back, like, hey, at least we got some points out of that and then wasn't completely disastrous.
1: Yeah. Uh, Nice rebound late in the race for Donnie Schatz. Uh, Ended up finishing fifth, started 12th. I remember him running around, 12th 11th 10th most of the race and next thing you know he's also, up to yeah, he, oh, fifth
3: here he comes so this weekend um i th- i would look for uh, a pretty good weekend for donnie Eighteen wins in general in total at eldora i think this is going to be one they've had circled in their calendar
1: if if 300 doesn't come at eldora i think there's a, a good shot that it comes at the place where he got win 299 uh which is the following week at williams grove speedway for for the morgan cup uh, it's coming, man. It it has to be. We it's
3: it's not a matter of if it's just when. It's just um, taking a little bit of time. This
1: is as good a place as any, though.
3: Oh yeah, we got two nights of it too, Friday and Saturday.
1: Yes, that'll be a ton of fun. Uh, I'm. Let's race too. I'm super excited that we're going back to Eldora. It felt weird to have an Outlaw schedule with Eldora not on it last year. Like obviously, things happened for for a reason. With, uh, last year with the the pandemic and everything and uh, decisions were made that are above our pay grade but it's, it's just nice to have it back on the schedule
3: and kind of um i'm lost for the word but uh it's cool that on may 8th saturday that's basically the one-year anniversary of us coming back to racing last year
1: not uh, basically it is
3: like if you if 100 percent yeah and it's cool that we're coming back to a track that we didn't even get the race at last year. Yes. Um, so, like, if you think of it, last year from Volusia all the way until this time, we weren't even racing. Like yeah, I can't. I kind of can't fathom that. That's
1: I know, right? It's cool that, that we did this year we have eighteen races under our belt before yeah. we get the nineteen races. As long as. Uh, the weather is good on Friday in Eldora, which don't take that, me saying that as like, oh, it's going to rain. I haven't looked. I'm just saying, as long as the weather's good, we'll have a 19th race under our belt uh, before Saturday comes, marking the one year anniversary of the return to racing at Knoxville last year, which at that point we had a grand total of two races under <laughs> our belt last year, uh, two from Volusia Speedway uh, as part of Dirt Car Nationals. And then the, the long pause, the long wait, the long when it, when is this gonna happen? Uh, and and then and then it happened. And we were back.
3: Which that, even that was crazy. Just uh, back, no fans. Uh, we only have so many people there in general. I remember we had um, Carlton and one of our officials standing outside the track in case someone inside the track got sick. So they had to leave and they had to come in. And it was just, yeah. Uh,
1: wasn't there like a whole like backup crew of oh, officials? Yeah,
3: yeah. Just in case. Yeah. We had officials outside the track while the race was going just in case something happened. Someone got Covid or got sick or something inside, then they had to make sure they left. But then we had some coming in to cover for them. So yeah, it was invite only weird. for the
1: competitors, so that there was room in the infield. It was all spaced out. Uh, I think there was a, a parking space in between each team's yep. holler in the infield. Um, Johnny Gibson was here in this very room that you and I are sitting in right now, calling the race from here in Concord, North Carolina, instead of in the announcers' booth right next to Bo- tony but tony Bachoven. sorry tony um at at knoxville raceway that was was different i remember johnny saying and, and i can't quote him directly because uh, he used he used a, a bad word but i remember him just l- looking at the racetrack through our camera feeds on the tv screen and it was just very silent in the room this was like four or five hours before he went live and he's just this is so weird. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just quiet. No one has said anything for a couple minutes. We're just looking at the cameras, and and the silence is broken with Johnny going, "This is so weird. I should be there, but I'm not. I'm here." And that was part of the challenges that 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 show that that show took. He got to call it with Kevin Swindell in the room with him. We had Kevin as a, a guest analyst that night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, there was just a lot different. A lot we'll never forget, though. Definitely. I think, uh, like Dave Reef said, it was quiet, but it was cool. Yeah. He he finished that show off beautifully. Yeah. Like, it's a perfect way to sum that up. Um, and again, we're going to have 19 races under our belt this year leading into uh, May 8th, which is way better than having just two. Uh, and as we look at the point standings, as we mentioned, Brad Sweet continues to lead by 90 points over David Gravel. 110-point lead over Carson Macedo in third. It's 142 points back to Sheldon Hodenshield in fourth. 180 back to Aaron Reitzel in fifth. Donnie Schatz moved up to sixth place, 198 points back. Logan Schuhart seventh. Craig Kinzer eighth. Brock Zierfoss ninth. Jacob Allen in tenth.
3: It's a pretty cool top ten and just pretty cool championship battle all along, all throughout the top ten, really. Um, a lot of guys you may not expect to be up there, uh, like it's cool to see Carson Macedo, uh third right now. Um, and I'm just kind of browsing through, James McFadden's already up to 12th after missing those few races. So, That's impressive. Yeah. Uh, shows how good he's having so far. So,
1: definitely a lot of fun point battles to watch already in the first 18 races. 206 markers separates Brad Sweet in first and Logan Shuhart in seventh. With only 18 races run so far, we can't realistically count out any of the top seven, right? No, there's there's seventy something races
3: still to go, something like that. There there's so much that can happen this season. The kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, Brad can go on this uh, winning streak here now, but then go on a losing streak for a while. I mean, you, you just never know. And then it could it could swap. It could be uh, Brad struggling, looking for the win, and then Donnie's all of a sudden back on his uh, high horse and winning every weekend. So
1: um, there's so much that can still happen. So much of the year to go still. The interesting thing as I'm looking at at Donnie Schatz's numbers here is uh, Donnie has the third, tied for second with the most top fives, even though he's sitting back in, in sixth place, 198 points back. We've run 18 races. Brad Sweet has 14 top fives. That's the most. Tied for second is Carson Macedo in third in points with 10, and Donnie Schatz also with 10, sitting sixth in points. Only one person has more than 10 top 10s, and that's Brad Sweet with 14. I
3: think the,
1: the one of the biggest telltales of just Brad's
3: consistency is, uh, so Brad's leading, He's his average finish this year is like third. Gravel's second. His average finish so far is like seventh or eighth or something like that. It just sh- shows you And that dropped that,
1: heavily after, what, Friday night? Yeah. Because I think after Bristol it was, what, like a 4.7 or yeah. something? And I mean, wait... In a normal year, if you're putting up a 4.7 average finish in just about any racing series in the world, there's nothing to complain about. And you're probably leading the points. Yeah. Except right now, when the guy you're chasing is like a it's just that much or better. It's crazy. the The other thing that I'm noticing is is no driver has finished top ten in every race so far. Uh, only two drivers have 16 top tens. That's the most of anyone, and naturally. Those two drivers are one and two in points, Brad Sweet and David Gravel. 15 top 10s for Carson Macedo in third, 15 top 10s for Aaron Reitzel in fifth. Donnie Schatz has 11 in 18 races, so even though he has the second most top fives, you look at that top 10 number, and that's where the discrepancy is.
3: Yep. You know, as much as I... also want to see a great championship battle and not say brad's gonna run away with that i do remember that i picked him to, pick, to win the championship earlier this year so I, I, you I'm can okay still win it with having a really close <laughs> yeah. battle okay yeah i mean it, i would definitely be okay with that still
1: like a two point marker similar to the 2019 battle you would still be right well, yeah I, I
3: hope when we get down to world finals there's less than 10 points separating uh that'd be awesome the leader in second that'd be so cool again
1: it'd be awesome like we we were spoiled. Like our first year with the Owls full time gets the, the closest championship, championship battle in ever. the history of the series. It's just awesome. What a year that
3: was. Even last year was pretty good. We had three guys. It wasn't as close, but still had three guys in contention for it last year. I mean, if we had something like that again, that which I think, I think we will. I think
1: we will too. Yeah, I think we will as well. Nick, do you have anything else for us today? You're full of nuggets, and I love it. I think and I'm drained. And not chicken nuggets. No.
3: I, I, You know, I don't remember the last time I've had a chicken nugget. Really? Yeah.
1: Oh, I do. Yeah. Maybe was, that's for dinner. Tonight. It was like Friday.
3: <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, Sunday is Mother's Day. So here's a reminder right now. Get some flowers or something. Don't
1: don't uh, stop your mom. get the <laughs> lawnmower 4.0. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or some, some, some chicken nuggets. I would recommend getting it for yourself, but don't don't get that for your mom. That's That's weird. But yeah, chicken nuggets would be great. Um, Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, so that kind of sucks. Ooh. Like Valentine's Day, they they put like a chicken minis if you get like a ten count in like the heart shaped uh, little container. I feel like they would have done that for Mother's Day, but they're closed and said, "Well, what a lot down. There's always Bojangles. <laughs> <laughs> there certainly is. Uh, I don't know about you, but now you've made me hungry. I think I'm gonna go run out and get some chicken nuggets. Unless you've got something else for us, Nick i think i'm drained you're drained the I'm box drained. is empty yep it's well, empty i'm gonna go refill that box go get some chicken nuggets and then uh we'll be back with you next week to talk about some racing from eldora speedway until then my name is rob blount alongside of me nick I am Graziano, i'm just hit moving the, mic i just hit the microphone on my knee that it's it's time to end. I'm sorry, y'all.
3: Because this has been a knee slapper of an episode.
1: Oh, it's definitely time to end. We'll
3: <laughs> talk to y'all next week. <laughs> Bye-bye.
0: Hashtag open red.